from Barber Motorsports Park in Birmingham, Alabama. It's time for the Indy Lights, presented by Cooper Tires on the IndyCar Radio Network. On a picture-perfect Sunday in Birmingham, Alabama, it's time to go racing once again on IndyCar Radio. This is the Indy Lights Series, presented by Cooper Tires. My name's Nick Yeoman, as we are kind of just getting started here on IndyCar Radio. Of course, the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama coming your way here in about an hour or two. But uh, first, it's the developmental series, the final step on the road to Indy. The Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires, set to compete in race number two for 35 laps around this 17-turn road course. Uh, Mark James joins me in the booth along with our driver analyst, Davey Hamilton. Mark, one Indy Lights race in the book. And I guess the biggest question heading into race number two is, do we all make it through turn number one? Because yesterday got a little interesting. Yeah, it did. And it uh, it created a long, long day for some. And, you know, with uh, the the fact that typically when you start up front, you finish up front here, uh, you you certainly uh, don't want to risk uh, losing that momentum going into a race, and you certainly want a nice rebound today if you have the opportunity to do so. But uh, dominating performance yesterday by an impressive young rookie and a kid that's got can't miss written all over it. Yeah, it was Linus Lundquist, the driver from Sweden, 22 years old for Global Racing Group and HMD Motorsports, who led all 30 laps as the pole sitter in a dominant performance. He won uh, by 5.3 seconds over his teammate. Benjamin Pedersen, uh, who finished in the second spot. Devlin DeFrancesco for the Andretti Steinbrenner Autosport team came home in the third position. Uh, the two players in that first lap accident that we talked about, Kyle Kirkwood and David Malukas. Malukas got the worst of it. He finished 13th. Kirkwood could only rally to ninth. Today, though, for David Malukas, He's got the best seat in the house. He is our pole sitter for race number two. He'll start alongside Linus Lundquist, yesterday's winner in row number one. Robert McGinnis, who came home sixth yesterday, good qualifying effort for race number two. He'll start in the third spot. Devlin DeFrancesco looking for a second straight podium. He'll start fourth. In the fifth position, it'll be Toby Sowry. Benjamin Pedersen will start alongside him in row number three. and row four, Kyle Kirkwood. He's got some work to do from the seventh position alongside Alex Peroni, the rookie driver for Carlin Racing, uh, who had a nice fifth-place finish yesterday. In row number five, it'll be Stingray Rob and Daniel Frost. Row six, Nikita Lashkin and Antonio Saravalli. And then uh, starting alone in row number seven, it'll be Christian Bogle. Davey Hamilton joins us from Barber Motorsports Park. Uh, Davey, of course, we're gearing up for the IndyCar Series a little bit later today. Your thoughts and impressions on what we saw yesterday in Indy Lights and maybe what to expect as we're a few minutes from firing the engines. So we might not have Davey uh, quite yet. No worries there. We'll check in with him a little bit later. Uh, Mark, of course, later today, Pato Award, an Indy Lights graduate, a former champion of the series, uh, going to lead the field to the green flag for the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Question is, who gets to turn one first, him or Alexander Rossi? He's got the, the veteran uh, that's, I'm sure, going to be given chase down that main straightaway. But uh, typically, whenever you come off of turn number 17, you're able to get the gas quickly and uh, and grab that spot. And I think from there, it depends on what goes on behind him uh, in row number two of that race. But uh, three of the last four times, Nick, pole sitter, has made it to victory lane at Barber Motorsports Park. So we'll see. 
Best passing place at this racetrack, Mark? Do we think it's turn five down there at Charlotte's Web historically? Yeah, I think so. I think all over the racetrack, in fact. But as we saw yesterday, uh, certainly there in front of the museum uh, around turn seven and eight. I mean, uh, the drivers have picked up some spots there. And uh, and then going into to 12 and 13 when you get off of that uh, that back straightaway, which is a very, very high-speed spot. We even thought a couple of passes coming through turn number 17. But I think all in all, the entrance to Charlotte Webb, if you will, uh, in turn number five is the primary passing zone on this racetrack, regardless of the series. Jay Query, you will be uh, calling that turn five portion of the racetrack. What do you see about that uh, corner that's made it so good for passing over the years and uh, might be awful entertaining, not just in Indy Lights here in just a few minutes, but uh, for the NTT IndyCar Series later today? Well, it's funny you mention that, Nick, because this morning I was talking to Kurt Fazekas, a buddy of mine who just ran in the Porsche race and got himself a fourth-place finish in that. And in talking to him and asking him, hey, what's the, the fastest area for you at this racetrack? And it mirrors exactly what a driver in the NTT IndyCar Series or Indy Lights would tell you, and that is that area coming off of turn number five and in to turn number six. Now, what it essentially does is turn number six is, for lack of a better phrase, a very tight hairpin turn that is just a sweeping left-hander. But turn number five is a slight kink that goes to the right so it kind of naturally lets you set up for that corner nick and you're going downhill just a little bit what that does is it gives you an extra bit of inertia that makes it challenging in turn six to keep it tight and get the best speed coming off of that which then goes into an elevation increase you're moving upward just a little bit so it is interesting to watch in that tight hairpin just how tight some drivers can take it and others like yesterday we saw james hinchcliffe who is of course extremely experienced for a slight second if you have a hiccup you miss that you go right through into the tire barriers fortunately hinchcliffe was not hurt but the car was another story so they had some work to do with that but it's an interesting area of the racetrack because moving into turn six you do have an opportunity nick to make up some ground and get a pass but you've got to do so quickly because you immediately have to pay very close attention to what happens there once you get into that left-hander and that opening lap going to be so key in this indy light series of course they didn't make it through turn one yesterday we'll see if they'll make it cleanly through there and all the way down to turn five when we go racing here in the indy light series again david malukas on the pole pretty interesting story for that young man 19 years old out of chicago illinois for the hmd motorsports this uh, team that's owned by his father was uh, set to, to campaign his second season indy lights a year ago before covid put a stop to the season but he's back once again and tried to shake off a disappointing run yesterday that team actually uh, didn't stay silent in 2020 uh, they moved over and competed in that fra championship pr- pr- powered by honda where malukas uh, won a couple races finished second in the championship behind Linus Lundquist so a 19 year old that uh, had to shake off the cobwebs a couple big wrecks in his rookie year in Indy Lights but he is back and uh, honestly Mark I was pretty impressed that the, the maturation process is always something we're watching with these lights drivers and I'm blown away at a kid just 19 years old 20 years old 21 years old some of these guys just so very polished and uh, many of them look like they're ready for IndyCar right away well started in carts uh, back in 2013 and uh, 2017 finally made the jump into the bigger cars if you will with F2000 then went went on to Indy Pro and then a couple of years in uh, Indy Lights he had hoped for a couple of years but again as you mentioned uh, with uh, uh, the uh, series not competing last year he certainly found his uh, share of success in FRA but uh, I, I think he's a kid that uh, has uh, earned the respect of those in the paddock and uh, 
he is one that they're watching for sure. And um, it's it's been a, a measured, sensible approach. And again, you know, let's not forget, we spend a lot of uh, time talking about uh, Indy Pro. We spend a lot of time talking about USF 2000. But this series, Nick, actually goes all the way back to the grassroots of karting. And there was a clear path uh, from young carters all the way up to the NTT IndyCar Series. And uh, I think we're seeing the fruits of that labor on display this weekend especially. Yeah, the beauty of uh, the Sydney Lights and that road Indy ladder system is there is a prize for the champion at the end of every year, a scholarship and a financial incentive to move up and uh, up the ladder system for Indy Lights. That would be the Indy car. And you know, for a lot of guys, Mark, that come over from the European formula car style where they may have a ladder, a rung system of cars that get more powerful, but they don't necessarily have that financial prize at the right. end for, for the championship that goes directly to competing to the next series. It seems like it's been what's so enticing for a lot of folks to come over from Europe, and clearly it's been working when you look up and down the IndyCar roster. Well, I mean, a guy that we don't see on the roster today, and it's unfortunate. We hope we see him back in the NTT IndyCar Series at some point. Let's remember Spencer Pickett. I mean, he won the championship each and every year and so uh, that's that's one of the surefire ways to make sure that that uh, that progression in that path continues and uh, uh, the incentives going into next year uh, for all of these teams and all of these drivers uh, have been enhanced in fact and it's even it's even more valuable moving forward for these drivers in terms of getting you know an, an Indy 500 and maybe three as many as four other races in the NTT IndyCar series under the belt and when you're knocking on the door of race teams it's a very beneficial official for you to have that check in hand not only for the money perspective but clearly as a series champion yeah. that's that's going to earn you immediate respect from these team owners as we mentioned david malukas and Linus lundquist on the front row teammates with the global racing group hmd motorsports partnership you mentioned those indycar teams mark one of the teams that's been uh, really a staple for uh in the indy light series has been andretti autosport we'll talk a little bit about one of their drivers in just a minute but let's hear from a few of the competitors competing today ryan and Marine is on pit lane for us for this race. Ryan, who have you caught up with? I found Toby Sowery, who is back in the Indy Light Series, which is great news. We saw you a couple years back. I know you were planning on being in the series again last year, and COVID had other plans for us. How gratifying has it been to put this program together with Hunkos and then get on track and compete yesterday in race one of the 20-round championship? Oh, it's been fantastic. Um, you know, we kind of lost a little bit of... Uh, Momentum, I think, with having the season off, whereas everyone else has been racing. But, you know, I'm, I've got a great bunch of guys around me. I'm super excited to get racing again. Um, you know, I'm a bit rusty here and there, but, you know, this is expected. But, yeah, to be back, especially with a stronger Indy Lights field, it's, it's great for everyone here. Most of your competitors either were racing in junior formula lower than Indy Lights last year or some of those that were in the Indy Lights field in 2019, they went and raced sports cars or something like that last year to stay sharp. What did you do to try and keep yourself prepared for this opportunity? Uh, there's not much I could do. I tried a bit of sim work, but, you know, there's only so much you can translate to reality. Um, but other than that, uh, there's nothing I could have done. In the UK, we were all completely locked down. So, you know, all the money we had went to this season. So... As much as I'd want to go racing and driving anything, I couldn't. So, you know, just keeping sharp on myself. What was it about Hunkos Racing that drew your attention when you were trying to figure out the best home for you at Indy Lights? What drew you to Ricardo's operation? Uh, speaking with the team, you know, they're very professional guys, very serious. Um, Ricky's a great guy, perfect mentality for racing. Um, you know, he, he's in it to race, not as a business, which is good. Um, and just the whole operation, you know, we raced against him in 19 with Renus. Um, he, he was quick a lot of the time, so, you know, it was a fantastic operation to join. Starting fifth here for race two, how can you get it to the front? 
<laughs> Same way as yesterday, but keeping on track more. Best of luck. Thank you. Guys, that's Toby Sowery. Yeah, good to see uh, Toby Sowery, one of those veteran drivers back in Indy Lights. Davey Hamilton, our driver analyst, joins us. And, you know, Davey, kind of parlaying off of one of those points that Ryan and Toby were talking about, uh, for some of these drivers, they were able to stay busy in 2020 when the season got shut down. Uh, they found other rides in other series. But uh, looking up and down the driver bios, there were a handful of guys that unfortunately kind of had to sit on their hands. How tough is that as a driver? I know in, in kind of the twilight of your IndyCar career, it was an Indy 500 effort only. How difficult was it to just jump in a car after being out of that seat for so very long? It's very difficult, actually. And we see guys that still do that a lot that at the end of their careers, right? They just pick and choose. And even Ed Carpenter right now is that guy, right? He's just doing the ovals. And that's kind of what I ended up finishing my career doing. And But it, I think it's key to be in any kind of race car. You know, in my case, as you guys know, short track guy. I love sprint cars, suit modifieds, midgets, silver crown. So I tried to stay active in those, you know, all I could. And any time you're behind the wheel of a race car, even though it's a different discipline, you do learn. It does, it does keep you sharp and you do stay focused and, and speed doesn't surprise you. But one thing with last year with, with COVID, I mean, some of these, just as Sarri said, is no budget. He already had spent his budget. Then he, he was on lockdown. So, um, man, it, it makes it difficult for a lot of these kids or guys last year just to get that seat time. Some of them were able to do it, but a lot of them not. So this is like a, having a year off, which nobody likes in, in any sport. Let's go back to pit lane. Ryan Marine catching up with the 2019 Indy Pro 2000 champions. And that would be Kyle Kirkwood just getting the balaclava on, getting ready to climb aboard his race car. Suffice it to say, Kyle, the season didn't start the way you wanted yesterday with the incident in turn one. Have you put that behind you, focusing now on race two today? You know, as uh, history plays for USF 2000 and Indy Pros, my first race was my worst one. So, uh, yeah, I put it behind me. It's You know, it's so early in, in the year, and we've got so many races left to go. we got 20 races this year, so... Um, the first race doesn't matter as much, but obviously I don't want to do that again, and I'll learn from it and uh, take it for the future, you know. Best of luck. Thank you. Kyle Kirkwood getting that helmet on. He'll be aboard the number 28 machine for Andretti Autosport. He's got the road to Indy colors on the side because he is, as Nick mentioned, the 2019 Indy Pro 2000 champion. Been doing some racing over in the sports car world for the Faster Sullivan Lexus team and has made a name for himself there, but he's got his eyes set on the NTT IndyCar Series and Indy Lights is the best way to achieve that dream. He's looking to improve on a difficult day in race one yesterday. Yeah, in fact, uh, he was teamed with Robert McGinnis with that Vassar Sullivan effort, uh, competed in the Rolex 24 at Daytona, finishing 13th in GTD, also finished 6th in the 12 hours of Sebring. And Mark, he's not joking. Kyle Kirkwood, when he said yesterday was probably his worst of, uh, race in, in the road to Indy because the numbers are just staggering. 2018 in USF 2000, that's the entry-level rung for Cape Motorsports. Uh, he he won the opening round race at St. Petersburg, finished fifth and second in the next two races, and then proceeded to win the next 11 to close out to win a championship. If that's not impressive, uh, in 2019 in Indy Pro 2000, he dominated for RP Motorsports, uh, had just two podiums in the first five races, then caught fire and won nine of the final 11 races. So, yeah, it's been been a long year for Kyle Kirkwood waiting to make that jump up to the top rung of the road to Indy to Indy Lights, but clearly the pedigree of this young man is top step of the podium and usually on a routine basis. F4 U.S. Championship, uh, nine wins, six pole positions, recorded 10 fastest laps and uh, 15 total podiums in 20 races. 
2016 finished third in his inaugural F4 U.S. Championship. One race win and eight additional podium finishes. And uh, you go back through his career in 15, 14, 13, 12, going back to, to karting. And, uh, I mean, just win after win after win. And, um, yeah, just uh, a very bright future for that young man and, and, and really anxious to atone for uh, the bobble yesterday. And as he said, is uh, seems like his first race each and every time he moves up is his worst race. So uh, maybe he got it out of his system yesterday. Yeah, and his road to Indy career, he's won 21 of the 30 races he's competed okay. in. Okay, all right. It's staggering 70%. Good batting average. And you talked about those other championships, Mark. From 2017 to 2019, a three-year span, he's won 45 races in a single-seat open-wheel race car. We're looking at the IndyCar record book, and Scott Dixon got the number 50 last year. Now, I'm not saying road to Indy wins are the same as, as IndyCar wins, but 45 victories in three years. That's You're just incredible. hoping that he eventually adapts to this form of racing I and mean, gets comfortable <laughs> in the car. Clearly. Gain some confidence. Clearly he's figured yeah, it out. Has so some success. We'll so. see what Kyle Kirkwood can do today starting in that seventh position. Well, it was a good run yesterday for Devlin Francesco, a part of the Andretti Steinbrenner group. Ryan Marine, I know you're uh, standing by on pit lane with one of those team principals. Yes, it would be the Steinbrenner part of the Andretti Steinbrenner racing. Devlin Francesco is the driver. George, really impressive debut for Devlin yesterday in this series. He was hoping to be here with you guys last year, and the world had other ideas. So the long-awaited debut in Indy Lights for him. How pleased are you with the result getting up on the podium? Extremely pre- pleased. Um, he drove a really good race uh, with as difficult as it is to pass here. You know, keep your nose clean in, in the first lap and, and uh, do what you can. And, and he did exactly that you know stayed out of trouble and and got himself in position for the podium tell you what you cannot miss that race car that paint scheme is bright and i think that's a good thing all of our turn announcers are certainly grateful for it what uh, what can you tell us about the power tap hydrogen sponsorship and and uh, just the the beautiful paint scheme on this race car yeah the the power tap hydrogen paint scheme we went with a a somewhat similar one in in uh indy pro last year and and it got good reviews so uh the yellow and red came back um uh not only are are uh, uh, apparently all the uh, the uh, announcers happy with it so is my grandmother as she she is very easily recognize that car so um it's a I, th- I like it and i think a lot of other people seem to, to as well your involvement on the ntt indycar side continues but you're back here at indy lights it's where you cut your teeth as a team owner does this series have a special place in your heart it does absolutely and there's there's something about but the the junior formulas that that have always intrigued me you know seeing the the next big thing um or the potential next big thing is is really cool seeing these these young guys mature especially over over the years seeing some of the guys that i've watched from f2000 when i first showed up now all the way up in indy lights and obviously dev um from indy pro last year and now into indy lights watching the development's always really cool and to be involved in the debt development is is something that has always really interested me as well what stood out about devlin to you that made you identify him as a potential next big thing as you put it the kid's got he's he's brave let's put it that way he's brave and he he knows when to commit and uh you see, in the high-speed stuff, he's a lot of fun to watch. And, and I think on the ovals, uh, I mean, we won in Gateway last year on the oval in the Indy Pro car. And, and uh, I think uh, we will uh, show well again in Gateway in the lights car. I think um, one of the things that's really fun to watch is he's, he's a, he's, he's, he commits a lot. And he's very fast in high speed and, um, and at the same time knows how to stay out of trouble when he needs to. 
Last thing for you, you've been involved in ownership from a young age. You've been around the sport. Did you ever have any driving aspirations, though? To be completely honest, I was never brave enough when, when I was little enough to really make make it early enough into karting. So, uh, yeah, I missed my window. <laughs> well, I think you found something that's working awfully well for you. Best of luck here to, to Devlin and also in the NTT IndyCar Series race coming up later on this afternoon. All right, thank you very much. That's George Steinbrenner, co-owner on the Devlin Francesco car. You're about to roll off for race two of the weekend. Yeah, appreciate that, Ryan. We're a little delayed right now, still waiting for uh, to get the signal that the engines can be fired by race control mark how great of a, 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 a you know a, a member a new member to the indycar paddock as george steinbrenner and that steinbrenner name been uh yeah years. for sure and i mean that uh, that is a, a recognizable name uh, nationally and certainly internationally and uh, of course family longtime association ownership group of the the New York Yankees, an uh, iconic Major League Sports franchise and uh, super intelligent young man. And, and I think one of those people that uh, I, I think his, his passion comes out in the conversation. I mean, he's, he's somewhat reserved and uh, uh, very methodical in terms of, you know, w- whenever we interview him. But make no mistake about it, uh, he is first and foremost a fan. And I think that's what uh, attracted him to it. But uh, I think he's immersed himself in the sport now and appears to be a part of it for the for the long haul for sure and Davey Hamilton I mean clearly uh, that young man has an eye for talent I mean I, I can't imagine 10 15 years from now we're going to look back at the Indy Lights championship battle between uh, Pato Award and Colton Herta and, and probably smile at thinking that uh, both of those drivers came up to IndyCar at the same time and, and obviously Pato and Colton at one point were both under that uh, that Harding Steinbrenner label obviously things worked in different ways for both of those drivers but uh, clearly George Steinbrenner the fourth uh, a big part of the Indy Lights program and getting drivers up to IndyCar. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and obviously him and Colton being just grown up together, being really good friends. So uh, it worked out really good for both of those guys. I know that that uh, he would love to still be involved. They're best of friends. I mean, they grew up together. So he'd pro- probably like to have his name on that car instead of the, the Hinchcliffe car, just on a personal level. But you know what? He's happy for Colton to be able to move on and take it to the next level. And that's what he's about. Now he has another driver. In, in, a, in a road dindy series again so uh, you know hats off I, I hope to see him in this sport for a long long time giving young talent opportunities to to move into the IndyCar ranks and his partnership with Andretti right now leaves that door wide open means Andretti has multiple cars in, in both series. Davey let's talk a little bit about this racetrack that uh, these drivers are about to compete on for 35 laps here in the Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires. 17 turns uh, a lot of elevation change, 2.3 miles in length. I know everywhere, it's cliche to say, everywhere we go, it's uh, it's a unique racetrack. But just how unique and how challenging is this racetrack, not just for the lights drivers, but for guys that are going to compete later in IndyCar? Well, it's definitely a track that takes full commitment because there's several corners at turn one. Uh, for one, you, you roll in that left-hander so fast and drive in so deep. And we, as we seen Kirkwood yesterday, you know, and, and make that small little mistake, skid a tire, uh, had some contact, and, and, and put, put a couple guys out of the race. So uh, that's a commitment corner. It's super fast through there. Uh, now, one thing, too, uh, Nick, is new track surface. So I was out on it this morning. Unbelievably how smooth it is. I mean, there's not a bump anywhere in the surface 
or the track. But it does take a little bit extra time to get heat in your tires. I think we've seen that yesterday with Kirkwood. We've seen it in the IndyCar series, maybe with Hinch and, and Colton. Um, it takes just that little bit extra time to get heat in your tires. So all I could say, the starts and restarts of these races, they need to be very cautious. And that when I say high commitment racetrack, super fast everywhere. But you get down into the other end of the racetrack, turns 12, 13, 14. It is up and down, and the car's loaded, and Bernie turned the steering wheel. Then it's unloaded, going over a rise, and it, super fun racetrack, but hard to be fast because, uh, like I say, you, you need to, uh, um, I, I guess we talked to our pole sitter in the IndyCar series. You know, he, he has a, a term that he likes to use of what it takes to be fast around <laughs> here, and he's definitely right. It, it take, it, it's, it's a lot of bravery and a lot of, lot of commitment and, and hope for the best getting around this place. Very challenging. I saw a tweet yesterday from, from Connor Daly after qualifying, and he said that the, the G-forces you feel at this place in an IndyCar are, are almost within the limits of what the human body can handle, especially, as you mentioned, that back half of the racetrack where you are flying and you start feeling those g forces for these lights drivers obviously these are you know the races only go 30 laps yesterday 35 laps uh today but but maybe for the indycar drivers throughout the course of the day davy how much do you feel it by the end of the day dealing with the elevation and the g-forces that are just pinning you to the seat of that race car well, I'm, I'm glad Connor said that because I didn't want to say anything. I feel like I'm getting weaker, but just it turned it turned 14. That car is so loaded, it takes all you can to get the wheel turned. And I, I'm going, you know, I'm I'm a couple seconds off the pace of these guys at least. And and it was amazing how much how much load that car had in that right hand corner and how much input you had to put it in the steering wheel. And doing that all day, let me tell you, these are these are true true athletes. These guys are in great shape, and uh, these long races you have to be not only physically fit, but mentally fit to, to keep your focus on a track like this. Let's go back to pit lane. Ryan Marine doing some great job here uh, during this delay. Who have you caught up with now, Ryan? I've got none other than Ricardo Junco's team owner for Junco's Racing, Toby Sowery and Stingray Rob, the two drivers here in the Indy Light Series for you. We'll start with Toby. We chatted with him earlier. He said he was attracted to your team because it was a bunch of racers. They were in this for the racing. What was it that drew you to Toby that made this a good fit? Well, you can see how Toby was actually racing against us during 2019. Uh, we know he, he's super talented, you know, very, very high level of driver in my opinion. So we all suffered 2020, the cancellation of the championship. So it's really good for me to be back with the two cars and for to have him as one of my two drivers. I think we have this year one of the best two, two drivers. You know, the combination is really nice. Stingray also being the champion of Indy Pro with us, so third year consecutive on the team. He's, he's, he's working really good. I'm pretty happy with, with Toby and the way he adapted to the team, right? Well, let's talk about Stingray then, making that jump up to Indy Lights. It is a big jump from Indy Pro 2000, and he seems to be learning over the course of the weekend. What has impressed you about his approach and the way he's taken to it here in the first weekend at Indy Lights? You're right. I mean, it's so hard. Um, we only did three days, really, before this weekend. So for him, it was so difficult. And it's, we, we had this experience before from driver jumping from the Indy Pro to Indy Light. In his situation, he did three years of Indy Pro. So he has already in himself a little bit too much habit from those cars. So he's, he's doing actually a fantastic job during this weekend to adapt to the car the way he's doing. Even yesterday in qualifying, I mean, sorry, Friday, we were uh, P1 at some point with the first set of tires. So he's massively improving every time. Yesterday was a big challenge. Uh, Check Mark out of the box now after the start of the first race for him in Indy Lights. I think he's going to be really, really good. 
the chassis has not changed since 2015, but this year we do have the addition of the Halo. It doesn't seem like it's very big. How much does it change the dynamic of the car and handling? Do you have to make any adjustments for the Halo? To be honest, I don't know much. I don't think affecting much at all, to be honest. Uh, it is a little bit heavy on top. That maybe changed a little bit, but we are not talking about much, to be honest. I think it's obviously way less implication like the, the aero screen on the Indy car, for example. But this track also we have after being here in 2018. So it's kind of new for everybody, re-asphalt from that point. So maybe we, when we go to St. Pete, we had a better understanding. Your part of your job is to attract young drivers to this series to sit in these cars, and part of that is convincing the parents to go along with it. Have you noticed that the halo has helped in some of those conversations that maybe alleviate some of the fears that, that parents or drivers have had in the past? Probably, yes, and I think it's a great, great thing. You see in Formula One, that was the first one to implement and how it's, it's already working on the positive way. Uh, as far as the looking, whatever, right, the people, the human being normally get adapted anyway to anything. So I think after one, two years, it's going to be fine. It's going to be part of racing now, and it definitely is more safe. So why not? I'm not sure if that's the reason why we have more cars now or because we didn't race last year, but definitely I'm, I'm, I'm really fan of that. I think it's a great idea, and it's all safety. I think IndyCar is doing a great job on safety anyway, so I'm always big speaker about how, how in the United States they care much about safety, and this is great. Last thing for you, just looking ahead to the race here, coming up in just a few moments, we're still under a bit of a delay but it sounds like we are getting closer. How do you get your guys a little bit further up? Toby starting fifth, Stingray's, what, ninth? Uh, how do you get them a bit further up at the end of this race? It's difficult. This is a track that is very hard to pass normally by the, the, the characteristics of the track, and we also don't have push-to-pass, unfortunately, for this weekend. So normally even with the push-to-pass, it's hard, so now it's even harder. So to be honest, for us, it's just kind of a, a practice weekend. We are a little behind compared to what, how much testing we can do before this weekend. So it's going to be hard, but the race is at the racing, you got a race, and then we see what happens. Thank you very much, Ricardo. Thank you, guys. Pit lane officials have put up the one index finger in the air, so that means we are within one minute of getting the engines fired. It sounds like the track cleanup has completed following the, the previous support race on the calendar. So, good news. We should be turning these cars loose here very soon, Nick. That's what we like to hear. Uh, maybe even more than us talking is engines firing, and that's going to happen here in the next 20 seconds on pit lane at Barber Motorsports Park. This is the Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires on IndyCar Radio. Nick Yeoman, Mark Jaynes here alongside Davey Hamilton. Out of the racetrack, it'll be Jake Query and uh, and Michael Young. Down on pit lane, Robert, uh, or excuse me, Rob Howden and Ryan Marie. See you nice. Uh, hear those engines come to life. Mark Jaynes, it's like the hillside pack in Birmingham and down to the Alabama roller coaster as well. So good to see race fans back at the racetrack. Yeah, no question. And a picture-perfect weekend at Barber Motorsports Park. And uh, it's uh, you can look at the beautiful blue skies and the white puffy clouds and uh, fans aligned along that backstretch. And, of course, uh, high atop the Alabama roller coaster through one and two. Great crowd on hand today. And uh, welcome back to Barber Motorsports Park. Field starting to roll off of uh, pit lane. Our pole sitter, David Malukas, alongside him, Linus Lundquist. Those will be the two that lead them to the green flag. Got a couple good turn announcers out on the course to help us call the action. Down there in the aforementioned Alabama roller coaster, it's turns two and three, is our good friend Michael Young. Good afternoon, Michael. Good afternoon, Michael. 
Good afternoon, Nick. A beautiful day here at Barber Motorsports Park. The field slowly begins to roll off the pit lane and through this uh, beautiful course here at Barber Motorsports Park. I will call the action from turn one through turn four. It's basically flat out coming down the front straightaway. They'll make a left-hand turn. Use a little bit of a runoff there. They've given a little bit of concrete for the field to run off on. The field will drop 40 feet into a right-hander, which is turn two, and then drop even further into turn number three, another 40 feet or so. Then they'll make a nearly 150-degree turn and begin to climb back up that hill. At turn three, then into turn four. And as they make their way through the middle portion of this circuit here at Barber Motorsports Park, they have that long middle portion of the course. They will come upon a gigantic spider, which is aptly named Charlotte in Charlotte's Web. And that's where the field will come into the view of our very own Jake Query. Good afternoon, Jake. Good afternoon, Michael. Thank you so much. And really the crown jewel of this facility is, of course, the Barber Motorsports Sports Park Vintage Museum, which has the largest collection of motorcycles that you will find in North America. When you come to this facility, it's what you want to see. It's what these cars want to see, but they've got some work to do before they get to the portion of the racetrack where the museum rests. And that area that they have to navigate beforehand is exactly what I will be watching as we watch them in turn number five is the area just in front of me, which is a slight kink to the right-hand side and then a very tight left-handed hair pin turn that is turn number six they go slightly uphill when they come out of that turn and then it kinks just a little bit to the right once again then they go underneath a pedestrian walk bridge that connects itself to the fabulous facility that is the museum here but that nick is where they leave my view and they come back into the area of the racetrack that you will call as they then take a huge elevation change before becoming right in front of that museum of which we speak. Field getting one to go as they cross the start-finish line. David Malukas in that red, silver, and black car for HMB Motorsports. He'll be the one leading the field of the green flag. Uh, we've heard from Ryan Marine. Let's welcome in Rob Howden down on pit lane. Rob, give me a storyline, a driver you're watching as we're set to go racing here at Barber. Nick, great to be here. A little bit of delay there. Had a lot of fill, but it was a lot of fun. A lot of great uh, stories being told down here on PA. I'll tell you this. I think one of the big stories for me is to see how much better Andretti can get over this entire weekend. We know how much the HMD has tested here at Barber Motorsports Park. Some of the other teams getting some more time at other facilities. That may play into their advantage as we get through the season. Andretti only had a couple of days here, and you could see that in qualifying. You could see that yesterday by talking to both Devlin Francesco and Robert McGinnis. They're really happy with the direction the team is going in terms of the platform, the way the car is set up. You can see that in qualifying for race two. They've got uh, road two locked out, McGinnis on the inside, DeFrancesco on the outside. And I think with Devlin getting that first Indy Lights race in the books, he could be a guy to watch here for another podium as we go racing here on Sunday. And Ryan, you talked to a lot of the team principals and a couple of the drivers. Seems like despite uh, yesterday, the start of the race being a little disjointed, confidence levels pretty high for everyone down there on pit lane. That's the way of it in, in motorsports, is it? And everyone's confident going into the race, and why not? I like what Rob was talking about. Can Andretti Autosport bounce back a little bit? Keep in mind, this is the winningest team at Indy Lights history at this track here at Barber. They've won seven times, including the last four until yesterday. So uh, it'll be curious to see if they could bounce back. I'm also curious what Linus Lundqvist can do starting P2. He's not run second much the last couple of years. Won all but two races in Formula Regional Americas last year. We'll see what he can do with his teammate alongside coming to the green flag. Field of 13 stacking up in the final couple corners. Soon they will be aligned two by two as we're set to go racing for 35 laps here at Barber Motorsports Park. Five more laps than yesterday's race. 
as it's David Malukas and Linus Lundquist side by side. Lundquist finally pulls alongside all 13 cars on the front straightaway. It's a very slow start as McGinnis brings them all the way down. Now they'll accelerate and see the green flag. Big winner might be Robert McGinnis. He looks to second, but it's Malukas leading him into turn number one. Yeah, David Malukas has about a one-car length advantage over the Lundquist machine. Then as the rest of the field falls into line, Robert McGinnis, DeFrancesco on the inside, but the big movers, Toby Sowery's going to go down the middle portion of the track. The leader again, David Malukas, everybody single file, but DeFrancesco tried to look to the inside of Sowery. He got pinched out just a little bit, and now all of a sudden finds himself running in the sixth position. Leader still, David Malukas, he, he works his way now into turn number eight. Boy, Mark heading down to turn five. They scattled like marbles on a tabletop. Awful fun on these opening lapses. Boy, it looks like that Carlin car, that's the five machine. Uh, Peroni got a little sideways at the bottom of the hill. Uh, he did, and uh, that's a, a troublesome spot, especially if you get into those binders a little too quickly. You're going to cause the grip to go away, especially before you've had a chance to build up ample heat in the tires, but a great start by David Malukas. There's all kinds of chaos unfolded behind him. Uh, he kept it pointed in the right direction and has uh, already opened up a pretty sizable lead. Yeah, it's a nice lead for David Malukas as they roar through the carousel. It's the final couple corners on this racetrack. Right, a try and turn and then back to the left as the leaders back out of the front straightaway. The lead for David Malukas across the start-finish line after lap one. Six-tenths of a second as the field roars back into the one. Malukas steps out ever so slightly the back end of that car. He has about a four-car length advantage. A must, much better beginning for David Malukas. Yesterday he was out at the exit of turn number one. Jakey's got an eight-car length advantage. Boy, that advantage seemingly is growing just a little bit, moving into turn number six. Everybody single file. Interesting because when they came down the main straight, the field was kind of weaving, trying to disrupt air just a little bit for those running behind them. The front two, Nick, are starting to check out just a little bit. And the best news of all, Davey Hamilton, is uh, after lap one, we don't have one buried in a tire barrier. A clean and fast start here in Indy <laughs> yeah. Lights. Nobody took any gambles going into turn one, which was right the right thing to do, obviously. Now we got a nice you know, they're all close together, but until these tires start wearing out, guys, we're going to see them single file here, just kind of riding out, see what they have for a setup. But as the laps go, the heat's going to get up in these tires. They're going to start wearing out. Fuel load's going to go down as well. The light air today, a lot less downforce, so it's going to be exciting later on in this race. Yeah, there's no doubt on certain parts of this racetrack, those cars look absolutely planted around this racetrack. Michael, how do they look in turn one in terms of that Alabama roller coaster? Well, the field kind of spread out at this moment, although the lead for Malukas is kind of gathered back up a little bit as Lundquist really starting to make a charge there in the third position. Of course, Robert McGinnis, but he loses a little bit. Malukas extends that lead about nine car lengths. Tip of the cap to the fourth place running right now, Alex Peroni, because he has actually made it spots from the start of the race itself. Everybody's single file now. Those first couple of laps, a little bit frantic as Nick had talked about. Those marbles rolling all over. Now everybody calming down just a little bit in the early stages of this race. Mark, we watched that uh, bright yellow car of Devlin Francesco currently runs in the sixth position. Went a little wide through the Alabama roller coaster. I know there's a lot of different lines you can use there, but that certainly opens the door for him to get past. He was able to hold off Benjamin Pedersen. Yeah, and he can't, uh, can't drive with the beers. I mean, he's got uh, Pedersen and Frost that have really drawn a beat on him, and uh, he's uh, kind of losing track of fifth, fifth place running Toby Salary, but uh, I, I think a very clean start, much cleaner, obviously, than the start we had yesterday, and I know 
Much is made of the Alabama roller coaster, and much is also made, of course, of uh, of Charlotte's Web. We mentioned that a lot. One of my favorite portions of the racetrack is when they clear the museum and they're really full song in that short little straightaway, and it's almost a switchback through Terminal uh, 10 and 11, and then they're full throttle all the way up to 12, and they're really fast through 12 and 13 before they have to climb on the biters. We've got a really great view thanks to the camera angle and our multi-screen monitors, and any car in any series just looks so bad fast in this picturesque setting through that portion of the race. I think the coolest thing is you think our view is good. It's all those fans yeah. underneath the tree lines they there. They figured it out. And, we, and I've been calling it the back stretch for years. It's anything yeah. but a stretch because, as you mentioned, it bends back to the left and the right. But uh, that is, I mean, outside of maybe the roar down to turn five, fastest part of this racetrack? Yeah, I don't think there's any question. And uh, it, it, the thing is, uh, what I like about these natural terrain road courses that we run on in this series is the fact that it's so incredibly fast, but then once you get to turn 12, it's it's that technical portion of the course. And Davey Hamilton, you talked about it a little bit, kind of echoing the sentiments of Connor Daly. Once you get through 12 and 13, you're really going to feel it when you get through 14, 15, and 16. Yeah, that thing is loaded down, and the cereal is very, very heavy, guys. And and that's one reason on this track is as the talent rises to the top here, guys. I mean, you have to have some bravery, but the talent also to keep the tires underneath these cars. And I have to say, I, I'm impressed with, uh, you know, Peroni. He's moved up four spots. He did that, guys, all on the outside of turn five and six on that opening lap on those cold tires. So uh, good car control, obviously, showed me from him. Got those spots before everybody started getting uh, somewhat uh, average speeds for everybody. I mean, what's right now? We see them just kind of five, six car lengths in between each of them. But guys, wait. As these tires wear down, things are going to start changing. It's going to tighten them back up again. Yeah, Peroni runs in that fourth position. Next driver on his hit list is Robert McGinnis, who runs in third. Those two separated by about six tenths of a second. So we may have a nice battle for third. Alex Peroni, 21 years old, driving for Carlin Racing. He's uh, from Tasmania, Australia. Australia uh, spent some time running over in Europe in Formula 3, makes the transition this year over to Indy Lights, and uh, with it, he brings Carlin Racing back in Indy Lights, which is awful nice to see as well. He runs in that fourth position. Up front, though, it's David Malukas and Linus Lundquist, separated by about eight car lengths as they head to turn number one, and Michael Young. Yeah, last time by Lundquist, it closed that gap ever so slightly. Malukas really working his way through that turn number three portion right now. But that big battle, as we had talked about, McGinnis and Peroni as they climb the hill through turn number four. Peroni starting to make a beat on Robert McGinnis. Let's take a look here and see if Peroni's able to make a move. Boy, McGinnis really locked him up going into turn number six because he saw Peroni in his mirrors, was able to hold him off. That all of a sudden checked up Peroni just a little bit, which allowed Toby Sowery to get in there. But again, they maintain the same order. McGinnis holding on to third. Pretty good battle for this third position as Peroni locks him up at the top of the hill near the museum. That allows McGinnis to skate away by about two or three car lengths. As those two set up the battle, though, Mark, as you see at Indy Lights, it's like an accordion all of a sudden, that green and white Humco's car of Toby Sowery enters the picture. Yeah, we're liking Toby Sowery. We look for uh, big things from Toby this year. Obviously, a, a veteran driver in this series. And um, one of those guys that, uh, you know, in his second season, uh, it's not out of the question nowadays. We've seen it over the past handful of years when guys can actually run a third season at Indy Lights. But I think his goal is a, cha- is a championship and to move up. And, uh, you know, he, he hopes to get up catch up with a guy that's probably the 
the same mindset. Robert McGinnis is currently running third. Working lap number six here in the Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires. Keeping an eye on a good battle for third. Uh, Jake Query, they're headed to turn number five. Alex Peroni looks like he's got a nice run. Can he get alongside McGinnis? Peroni is going to try to do just that, but McGinnis hugs that inside line very tightly through turn number six, and that keeps Peroni at bay. Call it about a car length and a half. It's about a car length and a half as well from Toby Sowry, who finds himself behind Peroni running in fifth. Back down the hill, they'll snake their way through turns eight and nine as Toby Sowry heavy on the accelerator trying to chase down that driver for Carlin Racing, Alex Peroni. This is the battle for third, fourth, and fifth. Look at your running order right now. It is David Malukas, your race leader. He's led every lap so far from the pole position. His lead over Linus Lundquist has grown to 1.3 seconds. Robert McGinnis runs in third, 3.6 seconds behind, and you can throw a blanket over the next couple drivers. Alex Peroni, the rookie driver, runs in fourth. Toby Sowry for Home Coast Racing is fifth. Devlin DeFrancesco, fresh off of a podium finish, runs in the sixth position. Benjamin Pedersen is seventh. Daniel Frost is eighth. Kyle Kirkwood, the rookie driver, runs in the ninth spot. Nikita Lastishkin is tenth. Stingray Rob is in 11th right now. Christian Bogle is 12th. And uh, the last driver, Antonio Saravalli, runs in the 13th position. Let's go back to pit lane for some updates. Uh, Rob Howden always kind of chasing the technical gremlins and uh, the challenges that face these Indy Lights teams throughout the course of a weekend. Well, Nick, one of the issues for this particular weekend, as those know with the push-to-pass option in both IndyCar and Indy Lights, is something that we don't have at our disposal. Neither do the drivers here this particular weekend. Normally, that push-to-pass offering 50 additional horsepower once you get to within 1.5 seconds of the driver in front, and it's a 15-second horsepower advantage. We were not able to get that to be utilized here this weekend. We have a qualifying session, two qualifying sessions, two races, and just one practice session. And during the practice session, we had some issues with the timing lines. We have to have those lines to make sure that the driver, of course, is within 1.5 seconds, and that way then they understand the seat on their steering wheel that they have push-to-pass available. Because of the issues we had with the electronics, we weren't able to activate it. Now, they got back. They got it fixed. They were said they were 99% sure that the that push-to-pass was fixed, but Tony Cotman and Daryl Fox, the technical crew and the race control crew for Indy Light said, you know what? If we can't guarantee it 100%, we can't activate push to pass. You know, obviously, if seven guys have it and six guys don't, it's just not going to work. So they'll make sure things are dialed back in for St. Petersburg to have that push to pass available. But on a racetrack like this, uh, Barber Motorsports Park, as we know, it is so tough to overtake here. That 50% would have made, uh, or 50 horsepower would have made things so much easier. Instead, these drivers are going to have to pressure the driver in front of them. They don't have that extra oomph heading down the straightaway. It's all about pressuring the guy in front, trying to force that mistake. But at the same time, I know the day Hamilton can talk about this. One of the things about this racetrack, a lot of long radius corners, and when you're in behind someone, you get that uh, arrow wash. You don't get that air coming over the wing, and Davey, we can talk about it. It really, really punishes the front tires. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why later in this race, you don't see who's being punished by using up those front tires, and as, as we talked about earlier, uh, is, is these straightaways are so fast going into super super tight corners. For example, you go down into five and six, man, that's 180 tight tight, tight corner, and it wears those tires out. But then again, you go back into 12, 13, 14, as we talked about, the G-forces there. If you feel the G-forces in your hands and your arms and it's hard to turn, those tires are feeling the same thing. They're going to get tortured down there. So that's one thing with these kids they have to learn is definitely management of your tire to make sure that you're not going to wear those out, especially the fronts, because as you said, if you don't know air on that front wing, 
thing, there, it's already wanting to slide a little bit. You wear those tires out, you're in big trouble. So, Mark, it becomes very interesting without push to pass because I, I think as as long as I've ever followed open wheel racing, it's it's what going to talk about something that can get some fans start to arguing. Push to pass. Right. Some some look at it as uh, hey, it's a, it's a great advantage. It helps the show. Other fans like the idea of this kind of race where it is 100% pure talent, no extra additives. So uh, we're, we're going to get to see who can hustle these cars around the racetrack without the assistance of some extra horsepower. Well, and I think, too, what comes into play, and we talked a little bit about it, Rob referenced it, uh, and some of the drivers talked about it, too, is, the, the you know, even in the NTT IndyCar Series, when you talk about tire dig, I mean, uh, let's give Cooper a lot of credit for yeah. the durability of the tire. I mean, I can't remember any time in recent memory where you know uh, it, it's been a construction construction failure on a tire i mean you know guys run over debris they cut tires but uh, uh but 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 boy uh, yeah to take that push the pass element just put it totally completely in the driver's hands i think that's what the purists prefer most assuredly and it's interesting to note nick that this race is shaping up very much like yesterday's race did you know a front runner with a lead of 2.7 seconds but then you go back third fourth fifth sixth that's where things uh, get to be a bit more compelling and fascinating and interesting to watch, much like yesterday's race was. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, based on what we saw in the testing here at Barber Motorsports Park and, and throughout the practice sessions and qualifying, Rob Howden, I'm going to bring you on this. I, I don't think any of us are surprised that maybe David Malukas and Linus Lundquist are starting to pull away from everybody because so far those two have seemingly been the class of the City Lights field in this very, very early point of the season. Well, no doubt about that, Nick. And again, we talked about the testing they've done here at Barber Motorsports Park, but you don't want to lean it all on that simply because the fact that, you know, you look at it, but just over a year ago, David Malukas was the fastest driver in that one and only practice session that we had at the Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. And if you recall that interview, those of you who may not listen to it, uh, David was over the moon. He was so unbelievably happy with the car, with the team. The people they had assembled to go around him were very strong. HMD is a new team to Indy Lights, as is Global Racing Group, but the people, the the team they've assembled, just as you would assemble the starting lineup for a basketball team in the NBA, they have some amazing guys that have been other teams and pretty hunkos, guys with championship pedigree. They've done what they needed to do to put the people around David Malukas and now Linus Lundquist and Benjamin Pedersen and Nikita Lashtishkin. They've assembled a great team here, and this is not surprising. They put a lot of money into testing in the offseason, and they really focused at Barber Motorsports Park. Mate, you know, Nick, maybe there was a thought of, hey, you know what? We need to come in here. We need to win some races, and we need to get the momentum we need for the rest of the season because if that indeed is the case and at the end of the season in Monterey, California, Laguna, we're giving one of these guys a championship trophy. That could have been a brilliant stroke here in 2021. Yeah, there's no doubt that uh, in terms of the checklist that HMD and, uh, and GMG, GMG or GRG group are checking a lot of boxes early in this season as David Malukas leads by 2.6 seconds over Linus Lundquist, but it's a full 8.3 seconds over third place running Robert McGinnis and Michael Let's take a peek once again at that battle for third because it just feels like Robert McGinnis might be holding up this train a little bit. Give him credit, though. He's holding off Alex Peroni. Yeah, indeed he is. Robert McGinnis about a two-car length advantage over Peroni. Equal distance then back to Toby Sowery, then DeFrancesco. Another battle that is shaping up as a battle for seventh position. That is Daniel Frost and Kyle Kirkwood, who was out earlier, was off early. But Jake Query, it's good battles all the way back to the field. Yeah, Kirkwood has really been working on Frost. As a matter of fact, as they go into six now, he is right on the rear wing of Frost, but not able to make that move as they go into the elevation change. The other story, Nick, so far in the 
the first third or so of this race is the fact that David Malukas continues to now extend his lead, and he's doing so over a driver that was equally dominant a day ago. Yeah, Jake, as they roar down the backstretch uh, in front of the fans right now, it's it's almost a full three-second lead for David Malukas, so he has not put a wheel wrong. This is uh, his sophomore season in Indy Lights. Wasn't able to score a victory in that rookie season back in 2019, but boy, he is certainly well on his way. Still 23 laps to go, but Michael, as he roars in front of you, just how fast and planted does Malukas look around Barber Motorsports Park? He's done a lot better. There is a bit of a runoff area at the exit of turn number one and the entrance of turn number two. And so many drivers have run off there that it's kind of created a rut. So the drivers are trying to avoid it right now as the machine of Robert McGinnis makes his way through that portion of the course. But as the guys get out there, Nick, it's a handful for them to get back onto the track. And for Robert McGinnis, starting to see Peroni close in on his rear wing. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah, what, McGinnis is again trying to hold off and he starts to break a little bit early. Sorry, Nick, as Peroni closes in. I thought Peroni might be able to make that move, but McGinnis gets himself a little breathing room. He's accelerating out of six. I mean, Mark, give Robert McGinnis a lot of credit. Clearly not as fast as Alex Peroni, but fast enough to fend off any challenge. It's not like Peroni's really even been close enough to show him a front wing or a front tire. Well, it's going to be interesting to note uh, just uh, how quickly those three start to get a little impatient that are stacked up behind him because uh, Pedersen and Frost are now starting to pull up on that uh, group, and you're going to have a trade of about five or six cars there that are going to be in hot pursuit of Robert McGinnis for sure. Yeah, as of right now, it is uh, what, it's third all the way back to ninth. Right. Kyle Kirkwood, is he's kind of crept into the picture. Those drivers snake their way back out of the front straightaway again. Just a tremendous battle for third with 21 laps to go. Robert McGinnis, Michael, heads to turn one on the once again. Yeah, it looks like he's pulled away a little bit from Peroni at two car length gap. And then Toby Sauer, everybody settled in. DeFrancesco's falling back about three car lengths. Now Daniel Frost starting to close in on the rear wing of Pedersen as they climb back up the hill and come down to Charlotte's Web. Yep, they work their way now into turn number six, that hairpin. And McGinnis this time breaks a little bit later. Peroni checks up. Sauer now, that might be the better battle is the fact that Toby Sauer is trying really hard to get himself into that fourth position. He's got to get around Peroni if he wants to do it. Well, he was right in his tire tracks trying to use that slipstream, that draft heading to turns 8 and 9. He got a nice run, got right up underneath the rear wing of that Carlin car, but not able to pull out and try to make a pass. And the reality is, Davey, I mean, outside of turn number 5, at this portion of the racetrack, the back half of the lap, you have to get single file and kind of follow that car in front of you. You really do. Now, you know, if a guy makes a mistake, you can make, you know, some, some other areas passing zones on this facility, but they have to make a mistake in front of you, and you need to be there to take advantage of it. And, and right now, the first two guys we have, I mean, they, they've pretty much checked out. Matter of fact, Lundquist in second, he basically has nine seconds over McGinnis, who's in that third third spot. But then from their back, man, they are on top of each other. I mean, they're within really a second and a half between uh, third place and seventh place. Well, we've been watching this uh, battle for third position and watching the young Australian driver, Alex Peroni, try to get around Robert McGinnis. Of course, Carlin Racing back in Indy Lights, and Ryan Marine is standing by with the man who heads up that operation. That's right. It's great to have Carlin Racing back in the Indy Lights series. Alex Peroni, just his second Indy Lights race, running fourth, challenging for a podium. What have you seen from Alex so far this weekend and in this race in particular? 
Well, it's been a steep, steep learning curve for him, but he's done really well and for us because we've been out of Indy Lights for a few years. So, we're, yeah, we're glad to uh, be competing. I think Alex is actually getting held up by McGuinness, so fingers crossed we can get ahead and catch, start catching the leaders. And Christian Bogle, the other driver that you bring to Indy Lights this year for fans at home, what can you say to kind of introduce Christian to the fans of the Indy Lights series? Yeah, he's a, he's a fabulous young man. He's doing a dual program this year. Um, he's, do, he's doing Indy Lights to be ready for a big challenge next year. And it's, uh, it's tough, but he's doing a brilliant job. I'm really happy with him. It's been a few years since you folks have been involved in Indy Lights. What brought you back? Oh, it's just the climate. There were more drivers around, and it, it made sense. I mean, we love Indy Lights. It's where we started. We, we believe in the road to Indy, and we just want to be part of it. Last thing, you're a very busy guy with a big program, not just here with this and also the, the one car in the NTT IndyCar Series, but programs in the U.K. and in Europe. How do you keep it all straight? How do you know where to be on a given weekend? Well, that, that's the hardest bit, remembering where I need to be. But to be honest, I've got the fabulous guys. Colin Hale runs this team and the IndyCar team. So really, I just turn up and drink coffee. So it's easy. Thank you for the time, Trevor. My pleasure. That is Trevor Carlin, owner of the Carlin Motorsports Operation. They've been very impressive in all the junior formulas. And once again, back here in Indy Lights, a former championship winning team in this series. And our timing with that interview with Mark was unfortunate for Carlin Racing because all of a sudden we saw Alex Peroni lose a couple positions. Uh, he was running fourth, challenging Robert McGinnis. And then all of a sudden, the bottom of the hill, that car, I don't know if it lost power. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, it, really odd, but uh, whatever it was, was moment. Terry, uh, and he was able to get back. It appears is still full song, but uh, certainly uh, down a couple of spots. So uh, as we run with 18 laps to go, David Malukas' lead over his teammate Linus Lundquist is 3.4 seconds. Robert McGinnis runs in third. Jake, let's take a peek at that battle for third because Toby Sowery has caught McGinnis, and it looks like he's trying to set him up. Interesting you mentioned that because I thought to myself, Toby Sowery, who goes to the inside, locks him up just a little bit now, goes side by side with McGinnis at a turn number six. It's going to take that spot as he starts to creep away by a half a car length, but McGinnis is glued to him on the outside. They are going side by side. Mark Jane's heading to uh, turns eight and nine, and it looks like McGinnis is able to sneak back ahead. And they close up behind him as well. DeFrancesco and Peroni right there. So uh, uh, lots of great racing action through a very tricky portion of the race course in the uh, and Nick, we mentioned earlier, those are some of the areas where it's supposed to go single file, but uh, uh, somebody forgot to tell these young drivers. Uh, Davey Hamilton, there's not a lot of uh, real estate there in turns eight and nine. I'm surprised and actually impressed that those drivers didn't make any contact. Yeah, right there. You know, Sowery had was was ahead. He had that line coming off of turn six. Unfortunately, turn seven, it left him on the outside. And uh, McGinnis at that point, he just he just kept his foot in it. Even though he was behind Sowery, uh, only one of them was going to get through there at, at a time. And uh, Sowery uh, chose the wiser to lift and let him go and try to get in here to, in another corner. Ryan Marine, any uh, explanation as to what might have happened to Alex Peroni to drop him from fourth to sixth? Sort of. I checked with the team, and they said he just lost power. It's going now, but they're not quite sure what would have caused it. Yeah, very bizarre situation, but uh, as Mark pointed out, Alex Peroni has regathered it, and this battle continues to be a good one from third on back to the ninth position from McGinnis all the way back to Kyle Kirkwood and 
Mark seeing a replay of that battle between he and Sowery, McGinnis and Sowery down there in turn three, got all, or turn five, got awful close with those guys going wheel to wheel. And, and you know what? You'll see that a bit in the MTT IndyCar series. I, I mean, you think you've got that pass made as you set up for turn five, but, uh, you know, off of turn number six, that driver is to the high side, will stay in it barely brush the grass on the outside of the racetrack through seven and then stay in the throttle through that little short straightaway to between seven and eight so that's an opportunity for you to kind of make up some ground and uh, your momentum's carrying you around the outside of that corner you can get back into the throttle a little quicker you'll see ntt indycar series drivers defend their position in that same manner and i, I think that speaks to the experience of robert mcginnis on this racetrack in that car yeah, there's no doubt uh, the, the faster these cars get higher up along the long along the road to Indy, closer you get to IndyCar, the different opportunities you have to jump on that throttle around this uh, just spectacular 17-turn road course uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. It's David Malukas, your race leader, with 16 laps to go. Field, full, full field rundown. Linus Lundquist runs in second. He's 3.1 seconds back. Those two, though, have flat checked out on everybody. It is a 16 and a half second lead for Malukas over third place running Robert McGinnis. And then on back, you can separate all these cars by about two or three car lengths. It is one heck of an impressive train from third all the way back to ninth. It's McGinnis in third, Toby Sauer in fourth. Devlin Francesco runs in fifth. Alex Peroni is sixth. Benjamin Pedersen is seventh. Daniel Frost is eighth. Kyle Kirkwood is ninth. Then a couple seconds back is Nikita Lastishkin in the tenth position. Stingray Rob, Christian Bogle, and Antonio Saravalli round out the field. Michael Young, let's take a look at that battle for third. It continues to be a good one here at Barber. Boy, and they're equally spaced out from third through ninth. So there is Robert McGinnis as he has Toby Sowery trying to close that gap again. DeFrancesco right behind them. And then it's a machine of Alex Peroni. They make their way down to Charlotte's Web. And again, McGinnis has Sowery right there. Right when McGinnis starts to break going into the hairpin, Sowery bunches right up on him. But then he's got to get into the brakes himself. That allows McGinnis a little bit of breathing room. They're evenly spaced right now. McGinnis, Sowery, and De Francesco. Yeah, McGinnis holds him off by about two or three car lengths. They set up for the downhill portion back to the left and right down in turns eight and nine. All these cars from third on back to ninth just separated by two or three car lengths. going to be interesting here in the last 10 to 15 laps to see who has managed those tires. Because there's no doubt, Mark, they're all driving the wheels off those cars right now, trying to get every spot they can. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, if you're talking about being hard on him, and while he was certainly defending his position, we get that. Then you can bet uh, adding to the wear and tear was McGinnis with that really strong move off of turn number six to defend that position through seven. Now, tip of the cap to Kyle Kirkwood. I mean, he has little by little been able to stay with that pack and catching up with Frost and Pedersen and Peroni, and hopefully Kyle Kirkwood can pick up a couple of positions as the talented rookie is, uh, is trying to stay with that pack of about five or six cars there competing for that third position. Uh, with 14 laps to go, David Malukas and Linus Lundquist on a nice Sunday drive running 1-2. And Rob Houghton, you're standing by with someone down on pit lane who has to be awful pleased with how this race is going right now. Yeah, joining me down here on pit lane right now from uh, HMD Motorsports team manager Mike Marini. Now, you know, Mike, obviously you've been around the sport for a long time. You have the juggernauts of Andretti. You've got Hunkos, multi-time champion. Same with Carlin. Over the offseason, you and HMD Motorsports have put together a fantastic group of guys and a great group of drivers as well. 
How satisfying is it to have this kind of weekend come out of the gate with Lena's winning yesterday and David and Lena's running 1-2 right now? Yeah, I mean, yesterday was a little bit of a disappointment for David, the first corner incident, but uh, Lena's and Benjamin, first and second, you can't ask for a better debut, I guess, to the season for uh, for HMD and the global program. Uh, today, I mean, fingers crossed, but things looking good right now. Obviously, uh, Henry Maluk is a fantastic owner. You've got Christian Pedersen there as well from Global Racing Group. But can you talk a little bit about, about the concept of putting together the team around them? David mentioned that last year, you know, when we got shut down at St. Petersburg. He loved the team, loved the atmosphere. It's almost like putting together a good basketball team or a good hockey team, right? You have to have the right players in the right spot. Yeah, we do, uh, we're doing our homework in the offseason and, and trying to put the right people in the right places. Uh, we There's a lot of experience for the 10, and I mean a lot. Like, it rivals an IndyCar team, so uh, obviously the goal for the future is to, to, to win this championship and win races, be on the podium, and then see what happens next year. You know, you're obviously on the ground swell. You're talking to drivers around the world who potentially could come to HMD and Global for next year. What is your feel on the momentum that Indy Lights has right now? Oh, man, it's incredible. I mean, if uh, if we can continue this next year and have, you know, 17, 18 cars, grow to 20, I mean, it's I wouldn't be any other place. Mike, thanks for the time. Thank you, Rob. Mike Marini, guys, the team manager for HMD Motorsports. They put together a tremendous lineup right now. The drivers are looking good. And like he said, a lot of momentum for 2022. And I get excited, Mark, anytime we see a new team to Indy Lights, knowing that there's always the potential if things go well four or five years from now maybe we get an opportunity to see them in IndyCar because time and time again whether it's been Hunkos or Carlin we've seen teams make that jump well yeah and I think that's uh, the key we've talked about it from time to time each every year that uh, I think is most impressive about this form of racing is you know a lot of the focus is on the drivers and their opportunities to move up but race teams and certainly engineers and the guys over the wall working on these cars opportunity for them to move up as well and uh not only is it great to see new teams come on board, but it's also great to see teams like Carlin Racing come back to Indy Lights and hear the great things that Trevor Carlin had to say about this series and, and their desire to be involved in it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's uh, it's healthy and strong, and it appears to be growing for sure. And, and I shouldn't downplay how good it is that they're involved with Indy Lights, too. It's not always this look ahead towards the IndyCar series because Davey Hamilton flat out, uh, we need teams that, that get involved in this ladder system and the road to Indy to help train these drivers to get them ready uh, for IndyCar. Clearly the HMDs and, and global racing groups of the world, uh, they serve a purpose and certainly they're putting on a show today. Yeah, absolutely. You, majority of our drivers, guys, come out of the road to Indy series and then graduate into the NTT IndyCar series, which is great. Now, every now and then we'll get a guy like Jimmy Johnson to show up or, or uh, you know, a couple other guys, uh, McLaughlin out of uh, sports cars. But you know what? Majority, like I say, majority, majority of guys come out of this. So it's great having them here on the same weekend that IndyCar's here. So all the owners are able to see what these kids can do. And by the way, the Andretti group, the Carlo group, the guys that own these cars and own IndyCar's, it's easy to uh, just stick them right, you know, move them up the ladder fairly quick. Oh, we got some smoke on the tire. Oh, down to turn five and six right there. Good one between Sowery and, and McGinnis. Jake, Toby uh, Sowery completely locked up, Nick, his brakes, trying to get inside of Robert McGinnis. These two have been going toe-to-toe for the last couple of circuits. McGinnis able to hold on to that spot. Sowery had a run on him, locked him up. Francesco almost got locked up into that battle as well. But once again, they maintain order. McGinnis in third, Sowery in fourth. Francesco holds on to fifth. Yeah, that was a good jump in there, Jake. I know you had a bird's eye view of that battle. Mark, this is tightening up. 
up. Robert McGinnis, uh, I think, starting to feel the pressure a little bit as Toby Sowery's really hustling that car around him. Uh, three out of the last four laps, I think, going into turn number five. And uh, be interesting to see if uh, Toby Sowery tries a different line next time. Maybe gets to the other side of McGinnis. But McGinnis, McGinnis is making those elbows plenty wide again off of turn number six. He stays to the high side of the setup in turn number seven. And they'll head down towards turn number one once again to Michael Young. Yeah, and for Robert McGinnis, the last time by, and he does it again. Toby Sowery drives wide, drivers left to let Robert McGinnis know he's coming. They climb the hill to turn number four. The advantage for McGinnis, three car lights. Here comes DeFrancesco as well. Question is, for all three of these drivers, is as they've locked them up through this area the last time by, and now nearly everybody's starting to do so, are those Cooper tires going to lose grip just a little bit? Robert McGinnis, hope it happens behind him, but he's got, again, Toby Sowery, three Carling's back, and then DeFrancesco. Boy, a good battle for the eighth position as Daniel Frost locked him up. His teammate Kyle Kirkwood trying to find a way around. Kirkwood has that front wing of that car right up underneath the rear attenuator, the rear tires of Daniel Frost's car, and Mark just not able to get there. But, boy, all these guys hustled in those Cooper tires. It looked like at least six of the nine smoked them down there in turn number five. Uh, Kirkwood tries to get another run at the entrance of turn number 12. He breaks a little later and hopes to close up, but he's not able to do it now. Uh, this is pretty much single file now through 14, 15, 16, and 17. We'll see off of 17 if Kirkwood's able to gain any measurable momentum and start to set him up as they clear that Alabama roller coaster. Nine laps to go here at Barber Motorsports Park. Battle for third once again in turns one and two. And Sowery swings wide again, but this time a lot closer than he was before. Meanwhile, further back, that battle for eighth. Frost and Kyle Kirkwood, they're all over the place, driving down into turn number five. The battle's for third. Kirkwood has Frost in front of him, and it literally, as that other battle we're talking about, gets very tight with Sowery taking a look at McGinnis through turn number six, not able to do anything. Now Kirkwood is going to try to get in on Frost. He had him to the inside, but Frost shut the door. Kirkwood now going to try to go back to the inside. This again is the battle for eight. Kirkwood got behind Frost's car, got a little draft, and it's going to be exactly what he needs. He popped to the outside, and Davey Hamilton, that's as bold of a pass as you'll <laughs> see at Barber Motorsports Park for Kyle Kirkwood. Move him into eighth. I have to say, Frost's front tires must just be gone right now because he didn't even challenge him. He was actually ahead of him going down in that turn seven corner, but uh, probably just didn't have the braking power he needed, and Kirkwood flew by him. Risky place, but nice pass. Just really good racing with eight laps to go, as uh, these drivers, a lot of them finding out for the first time how much punishment these Cooper tires can take with just eight laps to go. It's Malukas and Lundquist running one-two, but Michael, we continue to watch McGinnis try to hold off Sowery. Yeah, it's getting to be go time, and Toby Sowery again swings wide, drivers left, letting Robert McGinnis know he's there. Boy, he's really got a good job coming out of turn number three. Two car legs, McGinnis into Toby Sowery. McGinnis now right smack dab in the middle of the racetrack, swung it a little bit wide, setting up for turn number six. Everybody bunching up and locking up behind him, but again, he gets a little bit of breathing room. Two car legs advantage over Toby Sowery. Sowery's got Deep Francesco right behind him. Out of turn six and seven, McGinnis leads Sowery by a couple car lengths, then two more from Sowery back to Devlin DeFrancesco and then it is nose to tail with Peroni, Pedersen and then the charging Kyle Kirkwood down the back straightaway. Mark, this is good stuff. I mean, all it takes is for one guy like Robert McGinnis to be just a little bit slower and it's stacking these guys up. Uh, Kirkwood has cleared Frost and now he wants to pull side by side on the Pedersen into turn number 12. He wisely lifts out of it so he doesn't lose the grip going into that series of turns, but I think it's a matter of time before Kyle Kirkwood 
Norwood's able to pick up that seventh position. Boy, and right ahead of them, it looks like uh, Peroni trying to get around Devlin DeFrancesco. They dice it up out of turn at number 17. Michael, let's take a look at that battle as uh, Benjamin Pedersen goes off track. But how about the battle for fifth with DeFrancesco? Boy, Peroni nearly ran wide, lost some ground to DeFrancesco. Again, that's the battle for that fifth position. DeFrancesco able to pull out five car lengths, but Sowery now on the charge again with Robert McGinnis. Now this time, Sowery, boy, he took a huge shot to the outside, went side by side with McGinnis, thought he was going to be able to close it, and then McGinnis pulls away again out of turn number six. Sowery had his shot, McGinnis let him go wide, then McGinnis pulled away as they went back up the hill. Behind them, Kyle Kirkwood's got a strong charge on Alex Peroni. He just got around Benjamin Pedersen. Behind them, they're going side by side as it looks like Stingray Rob and Nikita Lastoshkin, who are now in this mix as well. They've run 10th and 11th for the majority of this race. This accordion effect, though, is awful impressive. It is Robert McGinnis running in third, trying to hold off Toby Sowery with six laps to go. The lead for David Malukas, four seconds over Linus Lundquist. I promise we're not ignoring those two on purpose. They've been dominant, but the battle throughout the pack has been absolutely tremendous. Once again, on the front straightaway, it's McGinnis followed by Sowery and DeFrancesco across the start-finish line with six laps to go, Michael, back into turn one. Boy, Toby Sowery has tried every trick in the book, and now Robert McGinnis a little slow out of turn number one. They'll go two wide, three wide, something wrong with Robert McGinnis. DeFrancesco will take that third position, climbing up the hill. Now Sowery will look to the inside. It's a flat tire for Robert McGinnis, and DeFrancesco now has it just beside him, Toby Sowery, and DeFrancesco is going to hold on to that position, put him in the third spot here through turn number six. Sowery just behind him. You gap back just a little bit, and then it's Kirkwood and Peroni. Davey, it looks like a left front tire for Robert McGinnis. Yeah, absolutely was. And that tells you he's punishing that tire. Maybe he got some debris and cut it. I'm not sure. We'll have to look at it. But definitely a left front tire went down and no chance. Uh, just he's going to have to limp it back around, and, and uh, that's the end of his day. Yeah, pretty remarkable, the uh, battle throughout the course of this race. Tough break for uh, Robert McGinnis. Mark, we were just wondering how many of the guys pounding these uh, Cooper tires. And clearly for the young driver from New York, he found the edge. Yeah, and I think the majority of it occurred uh, when he was constantly having to defend that position through 5-6 and then the setup at turn number 7. I mean, he was really, really wearing that left front out on that race car each and every time. The last, I don't know what, seven or eight laps, it seemed like that uh, uh, that Toby Sowery was just wearing him out to that 5-6-7 portion of the racetrack. And I think the amazing thing is Sowery makes the pass for third, and he only keeps it for a matter of a couple right. seconds yeah. because DeFrancesco was Johnny on the spot, aggressive to get around Sowery. So uh, ultimately, it was DeFrancesco who is plus two uh, in that little sequence. It's Malukas, Lundquist, DeFrancesco at your podium as they run. Right now, Toby Sowery runs fourth. Kyle Kirkwood is fifth. Alex Peroni is sixth. Davey, I know you can see this replay. We don't get to see him go three wide through the Alabama roller coaster or really anywhere at Barber Motorsports Park very often. Yeah, and how about that? Sowery committed to the outside all the time to do it. The guy you're passing has a left front tire going and kind of runs you out of room. And he didn't get, he, he passed that car, but DeFrancisco just was able to get by him. And uh, Ryan Marine, you're seeing the work being done on Robert McGinnis. Boy, tough break as he sees a podium wash away. 
Yeah, it was a big-time puncture on that tire as well, on the inside sidewall of that tire. So they've made that change. It's hit Robert McGinnis back out into the fight, but only four laps remaining. That's going to be costly for sure. The former competitive fencer was locked in a duel there for much of that race, but he comes up on the wrong end of it. Rob, you got an update on your end of pit lane. Yeah, Ryan, talking to a couple of the Cooper Tire uh, technicians down here, we know how tough this racetrack is on left fronts, and they've said, they said yesterday, McGinnis did pretty much the same thing, really chewed up that tire and with a couple of lockups, as you guys saw. Likely not a puncture, potentially just actually wore that thing down and, and blew the hole in that tire. All right, so Davey Hamilton, let's say you're one of the seven or eight drivers that were in that long train that we've been watching all day you see one guy have a flat tire do you get nervous yourself well you know one good thing about these cars you can't see your front tires you know you're sitting right behind them and whenever a blister comes up or a flat spot it look your tires start looking different you can see how the wear of them a little bit now what you can't see is is just a flat wear how much how much tread you have left on those you can tell if there's a flat spot you can tell if they're blistering but you can't see the treads so you want to be careful and another thing that a real good tell of the tell is is the car really pushing bad there's lack of front grip and if you get to that point man you just have to start nursing them along making sure you make it thin and try not to punish them anymore just three laps to go here at barber motorsports park this is round two of the 2021 Indy Lights Championship presented by Cooper Tires on IndyCar Radio. Nick Yeoman, Mark James, Davey Hamilton, Jake Quarry, Michael Young, Ryan Marine, and Rob Houghton, the whole crew with you. We're getting set for the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Race coverage coming your way at 3 o'clock Eastern on IndyCar Radio. Putting the finishing touches on this one. And, Mark, we've talked a lot about that battle mid-pack, but, boy, David Malukas, uh, it's been clean and green for that young man up front as he's going to roar across the start finish line with just two to go. Six seconds to lead over Linus Lundquist, who was so very, very fast yesterday, but while that uh, melee was going on from third all the way back to ninth, those guys are running 30 seconds behind the leader. That's incredible. <laughs> that's, uh, that's insane. I mean, that's how fast those guys have been and uh, how tough it was for some of those guys to, to finally get around. Uh, Robert McGinnis ultimately with that flat tire, but it has been a picture-perfect day for David Malukas. And clearly, Mark, for Linus Lundquist, it's not going to be a race win, but in terms of uh, big-picture championship hunting, which is what he's doing to walk away with uh, a first and a second you know, on weekend oh, number yeah, one. I mean, that, that's the thing. I, I, you know, and, and we, who have we seen win championship after championship uh, just by piling up points by finishing on the podium on those weekends when uh, – he didn't really maybe have a shot to win a race or a car to win a race. And uh, that's 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 a very, very cerebral approach to uh, winning a championship for sure. You qualify well, you start up front, and you stay up front. You put yourself in the position the wins are going to come. But on those days when the wins aren't going to come, it's important to pile up points on the podium for Boy, sure. Boy, it's been a tough uh, afternoon for Andretti Autosport as uh, Daniel Frost just looks like he lost a tire as well. Meanwhile, the leader in turn one for the final time. David Malukas will finish second in the FR Championship last year to Linus Lundquist with two wins for David Malukas. Looks like he may get his first Indy Lights win today. He goes to turn five for the final time. David Malukas is a native of Chicago. Of course, there is no strange storyline about somebody from Chicago making headlines in Birmingham, Alabama, but it's been a long time since Michael Jordan did it. David Malukas, Nick, actually won five races in the last three years among two different series, but... 
he has not won in the Indy Lights. He is trying to do that here at the Barber Motorsports Park on a picturesque day. He's been picture perfect so far. Yeah, a lot of folks you talk to say uh, despite Indy Lights not running last year, it was still a big season for David Malukas and the maturation process as he has come uh, to Indy Lights in 2021 and does not look like the same driver from 2019 during his rookie season. Andretti Autosport driver Daniel Frost limping his car into pit lane. He's fallen all the way back to 12th, but up front, it's going to be career win number one for David Malukas. The driver from Chicago leads them all. 35 up, 35 down. He'll see the twin checkered flags. David Malukas is a winner in the Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires. He'll go to victory lane for the first time. Linus Lundquist finishes second comfortably with a 6.3 second deficit. Final step on the podium. We're going to have to wait a while to see how that all shakes out because those drivers were a good 32 seconds behind. Here comes Devlin DeFrancesco out of turn number 17. He's got about a four-car length advantage over Toby Sowery, and it's going to be a second straight third uh, place finish for Devlin DeFrancesco. He'll be on the third step of the podium, grabbing third position. Sowery comes across the line in fourth. Kyle Kirkwood salvages the weekend. He'll finish in fifth. Alex Peroni will finish sixth. Benjamin Pedersen comes home seventh. Uh, he jumped Daniel Frost with two to go, as did Stingray Rob, who moves up to eighth. Nikita Lastishkin is going to finish in ninth. Christian Bogle, one of the Carlin rookies, will come home in tenth. Antonio Saravalli will finish 11th. Then it's Frost, who had to pit on the final lap. He'll come home in 12th. His Andretti Autosport teammate, Robert McGinnis, with a similar tire issue. He will finish last, 13th on the day. And Mark Jaynes, we see David Malukas making uh, the, the trip down the back straightaway and pumping his fist to the fans. Always cool to see a first-time winner. Uh, well, yeah, we talked about, uh, you know, piling up points. Uh, how about the job that uh, De Francesco has done this weekend, Nick, uh, with a couple of podium finishes. Uh, he's just 13 points now back, so he's very much early on in championship contention and a big wave of the crowd here at Barber Motorsports Park, and I'm sure they enjoyed that phenomenal show put on by these talented young drivers here in the uh, Indy Light Series presented by Cooper Tires. Yeah, it turned out to be a pretty intriguing race. Again, the, the box scores don't show everything. You know, you look back at this race years from now this weekend, you're going to say, oh, two dominant wins, but the racing throughout the field was really good. Uh, despite not having pushed to pass, watching that battle mid-pack, a lot of fun today. And uh, tip of the cap to all these drivers because they were pushing those Cooper tires, racing wheel to wheel, being aggressive. Uh, but I don't think anyone made contact with anyone else. We didn't break any front wings. And ultimately, uh, those drivers bring those cars home in one piece, which you know the car owners love the absolute most. David Malukas says, brought that number 70 machine, 79 machine for HMD Motorsports back to pit lane. Uh, looks like he's just overcome with emotion. A first career win. So big uh, for all these drivers. If you want to win a championship, you want to get the Indy car, the first step is ultimately winning in Indy Lights. And David Malukas can say he did that. Just 19 years old uh, from Chicago, Illinois, driving for HMD Motorsports, a team owned by his father. And uh, what an impressive win for him. Ultimately, 6.3 seconds over Linus Lundquist uh, for David Malukas. And the neat story is that, of 
course, uh, two years ago, he was involved in a big, big accident at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the Freedom 100 and, and admitted that it shook his confidence a little bit during his rookie season. Obviously, uh, 2020 difficult for everybody as we reevaluate and change our lifestyle. But, boy, he comes back in 2021 and clearly looks like a mature and fast race car driver and can't wait to hear from him here in moments after scoring his first career win in Indy Lights. In fact, he's going to pop out of that car here any moment. Uh, So, again, Indy Lights Series presented by Cooper Tires. Good to have this 2021 season underway. Two races in the books. They'll move uh, to St. Petersburg, Florida next weekend, right back in action for a pair of doubleheaders, a pair of races on the streets of St. Petersburg. Really looking forward to that. And, of course, later today, before we hear from some of these drivers, Mark Jaynes, the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama, about a half hour away from the first race of the IndyCar season. I know you're fired up, and so are all of our listeners and fans. Got to take the air at the uh, the top of the hour and uh, buoyed by an outstanding rookie class. Uh, but Pato Award is uh, P1. We'll do a nice battle with Alexander Rossi down that main straightaway on the opening uh, lap. Been a great a great weekend for Alex Below, his debut in the 10 machine for Ganassi Racing. Will Power, Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson among the top 10 as we get ready to go racing and kick off the Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama. Again, join us at the top of the hour at 3 p.m. Let's go to pit lane. Ryan Marine standing by with a Swedish driver who I imagine Ryan has to be pretty pleased with his first weekend in Indy Lights. Yeah, let's find out. Linus Lundqvist, a winner at race one yesterday, P2 here today. So my math tells me you should leave with the points lead after your first weekend at Indy Lights. How would you assess the experience here week one at Barber? I'd say we uh, we did a pretty good job. And firstly, I just want to say a massive thank you to my team, Global Racing Group with HMD. They've done a tremendous job. And today, uh, David did a good job. So congrats to him. He earns the well, he'll uh, he earns the victory. And then um, you know, obviously good for him to bounce back after yesterday. But I think today we showed as a team that this is where we belong. We'll see you at St. Pete. Yes, we will. That is Linus Lundquist to Victory Lane and Rob Howden. Thank you so much, Ryan. Hugs all around here for David Malukas. What a stark contrast from yesterday, right? You had that anger. You calmed down by the time I had talked to you. You go from here to the race win today. Just tell me about the pure emotion about being able to win your first Indy Lights race. Yeah, I mean, thank God I took a really slow in-lap because I I actually shed some tears coming in there. It's been a long time coming. I mean, every race I've I've done here so far, I've never had an Indy Lights win. And it was kind of like, man, maybe I'm cursed. I can't get it. I can't get it. So, and then yesterday happened. So, I mean, today is just a full turnaround. I, I'm so happy. I'm through the roof. Uh, man, I, I just want to say thank you to the team. They gave me an amazing car. Even at the end there, you know, we did so many miles on the tires. I was having a really good time, man. I was doing the last, this amazing track, amazing tires, amazing car. I was loving it. Let's talk about the David Malukas storyline briefly. You remember back to the Freedom 100, that big wreck you had with Chris Windham. You told me that season that, you know, it kind of shook you a little bit. You're such a different young man right now, a different driver. Can you talk about how much you've changed mentally since that incident? Yeah, I mean, that incident was hard, and, and there's many others that, that also kind of pulled me down but without those those bad days you can't get the good ones and they also in addition help with my maturity you know and without those you know incidents I wouldn't be where I am today and who I am so 
yeah, I mean, it all turned out for the best. Let's talk about this team, HMD. You guys have put together a fantastic group of guys, and you're able to take it to the front. Yeah, I mean, this is the best team I've ever seen. I mean, we crashed yesterday, but I was still good mood because, I mean, I wouldn't want to race with any other team. The team and the members, everything, it, it, it's amazing. So, yeah, I, 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 just full smiles all around. We had a big kiss from Dad in the middle of that <laughs> yeah. one there, man. This is going to be a big family celebration tonight. Yeah, definitely. Congratulations. Thank you. David Malukas, Nick Yeoman, fantastic run for him. The winner today. Indy Lights. Let's go back to Ryan. All right, let's chat with the final member of the podium, Devlin DeFrancesco. A couple of podiums for you here at Barber to get the season started. All in all, you pleased with, with how the weekend played out, or is it leaving you wanting a bit more? For sure, I'm happy where we ended up. Uh, I mean, if you told me at the start of the weekend we'd be uh, coming out with a double podium, that would have been uh, a high expectation with after we were after FP1. But the Andretti Steinbrenner guys did a fantastic job. Uh, we definitely clawed back a lot of the speed we were missing this weekend. Uh, highs on to St. Pete, but for sure I have to thank everyone uh, who's helped me so far. You know, the Andretti Steinbrenner guys, Power Tap, of course, Simply Mac, Soul Yoga, Kimoa, of course, everyone who's uh, made this season possible. Got a big congratulations from your countryman, Paul Tracy, at the end of the race. A legend like Paul, when he comes up and claps you on the back like that, what does that mean to you? 100%, that's, uh, it's a huge, means a lot, uh, you know, to have a legend like that come and congratulate you, that's no, uh, it's no mean feat, so hopefully we can keep this momentum rolling uh, into St. Pete. We'll see you there. See you there. That's Devlin DeFrancesco. Uh, great job by uh, Ryan Marine and Rob Howden down there on pit lane. A big thanks to Ryan as well for hustling during that delay. Uh, also, nice job by Michael Young and Jake Query out on the racetrack. Uh, again, congratulations to David Malukas. He scores the race win. It also moves him up to third in points. Uh, the, the top three in points will be Linus Lundquist, Devlin DeFrancesco, and David Malukas as we head to St. Petersburg. want to thank uh, our on-site engineer Rick Evans here in Indianapolis. Sam Rumsa and our network director Chris Pollock. Great job by Davey Hamilton our driver analyst and Mark Janes here in the booth with me. Uh, we're looking forward to a really really fun start to the NTT IndyCar Series as well. The Honda Indy Grand Prix of Alabama on this same IndyCar radio outlet coming your way with pre-race coverage in just under a half hour. Again congratulations to David Malukas and Linus Lundquist your winners this weekend in Indy Lights. My name Nick Yeoman. We'll talk to you next week from St. Petersburg, Florida. So long, everyone.